pudding, and the pudding in this case is a football. Move by goal. The goalie has got football pie all over his shirt. So uh, welcome to this episode of the Down the Pool podcast. Uh, joining me at the bar this week is Sacramento Republic's uh, new Irish defender, Lee Desmond. Welcome to the show, Lee. Thanks for having me, Anthony. I, uh, I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, I know that's kind of hectic right now, so I appreciate you taking the time out. Um, so before we start into the main kind of questions, I just asked a couple of kind of easier questions just to kind of get us uh, into the groove of things. So what's your favorite cheat meal? Well, what a way to start. Um, I'd probably go for cheat meal cheat meal probably like a big stack of pancakes or something like that yeah nice for dinner right day after (laughs) a couple of good spots in Dublin I need to find need to find one here but I'm sure there's loads I'm sure I'm sure Dan Casey will be able to help you out with a few spots man I think you'd be all right yeah Uh, so uh, we kind of talked to this before we started the show but uh, what's the most touristy thing you've done so far in uh, oh, yeah, oh, uh, well, I was only in San Francisco. We drove up, it's only two hours away, so we drove to San Francisco there two weekends ago and done Alcatraz. So I'd, I'd say that's pretty thirsty. How was it? Was it, uh, did you see Al Capone's uh, cell and yeah, all that kind of stuff? Very interesting, yeah. Even getting the boat over, like some of the views <laughs> are really good, but uh, not a story behind it all. And obviously, uh, the famous movie that was made about it as well is really interesting. What's your favorite music to listen to before a game to kind of get you hyped up? Yeah, like, well, I'll tell you what, here in Sacramento, there's a lot of Spanish influence uh, in, the, in the squad. Uh, so they're listening to a lot of, uh, what would you call it, like, Hispanic music, Latino music, is that what yeah. you call it? I don't even know. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah. But uh, they, they sort of control the music here. But now back home, I listen to like sort of like a lot of dance music and stuff in the car with the lads on the way on the way to games or uh, even before I leave myself. That's what I listen to. So are you going to be um, fluent in Spanish music lyrics in a couple of months time? Well, I hope so because the lads speak a lot of Spanish as well. Like So you pick up on little things, but I was actually good at it in school and then during the first lockdown as well, I got the Duolingo app. Uh, so I've I done a little bit there as well. So yeah, I'm actually I'm actually not bad at Spanish. That's pretty good. It uh, must be handy on the pitch when uh, you, know, you can kind of make out those little words of what they're <laughs> Yeah, I haven't, I haven't done that yet. I think I'm still a bit away from that. But yeah, you never know, maybe one day. So uh, first question for you, like uh, you kind of, it's kind of been a whirlwind for you. Like you kind of have to get your... Your, your ducks in a row and get your visa and all that kind of stuff. So uh, how are you fi- finally settling in now that you're you're there? Yeah, so the visa story was crazy because, um, yeah, there was, was a massive delay with my visa and, you know, they put my visa, the application in before Christmas and I only got it um, towards the end of February and I had to go to Warsaw then to get my to get my actual visa and my passport. Um, and that, that was a crazy experience because obviously uh, there was a lot of Ukrainian refugees uh, oh, wow. in Warsaw at the time. Yeah, and then even the day I went up to the embassy, there was probably maybe 100 Ukrainian refugees trying to get US passports. Um, so that was crazy to see it with your own eyes. But uh, I was lucky enough, I was, I was in and out like, and 
Um, I got here then a week before the season started, so I didn't have any pre-season really, but I'm still sort of catching up now and I've got three games under my belt, so so far really good and, you know, happy happy with uh, life outside football too, have a nice apartment and stuff like that. I'm still in the process of getting a car, um, so I'm renting a car at the minute, but a big move has been made fairly easy, really. That's great, man. It's like, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's not easy, especially when you're move away from family in the middle and with all the COVID stuff happening too, it's kind of, I'm sure it was a little bit stressful, but like when you're in uh, Warsaw, like on Instagram, I think uh, you post like a thing of you, did you go to a game while you were there? Yeah. And you, like, to, uh, you, you got me with that one, man. <laughs> you're like new move. And I was like, wow, like holy shit. Like for, yeah. uh... <laughs> I went to a Lesia Warsaw game. I just, you know, by myself in, in a different city and, I heard the atmosphere was was really good there and they just happened to be playing. So I said, I'll, I'll get a bus and, and go and watch. They, were, they had a cup match against, I can't even remember what team they were playing. And uh, I just, I thought it'd be funny to put up because people kept asking me back home, like, what's going on? It's a Sacramento thing happening. Because I was, I was still there, like probably a month after I should have left. And I just, I thought I'd get a few people if I said I signed for a legacy war. So I'm put up a picture of me standing in the stadium with the fans like but uh i don't know maybe i got a few people hopefully oh, you got me man i was just like holy <laughs> shit like like life's definitely changed <laughs> that'd be a nice movie. <laughs> but yeah it, it, like the it looked like a, a crazy atmosphere but like the one of the one of the things in the states of like is the um the, the fan culture like they're, they're they built it's kind of unique uh how you find in like the games like the the, the fans and stuff like that like they've kind of built it's different than back home and it's it definitely looks like it's a lot more fun like the the, the drums and all that kind of stuff they get yeah. going at the, the games how are you find well, it to be honest yeah to be honest from what i've heard like we've we've probably got one of the best uh fan bases in the league here in sacramento and um the two home games we had i could well believe that but i don't see a lot of stuff that's going on you know sort of behind the stands and stuff it's a full day out really um which I wouldn't be used to back home because people just sort of like, you know, get into the ground 10, 15 minutes before a kickoff. But people are here maybe over an hour before and there's a lot to do. So it's a full sort of day out for the families and stuff. So it's really interesting. But I haven't really got to see that a lot because, <laughs> because I've been involved in the game. But no, it looks it looks impressive. So it's a little bit different to Richmond Park? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Massively different to Richmond Park as well. <laughs> But I have to say, I love playing at Richmond as well because it's such a tight little ground and sort of like uh, you get you get to know all the fans really because it's a it's a real family club at St Pat's. But uh, no, this is completely different. Uh, it's just just uh, typical America, really. Everything's just bigger and more extravagant. So uh, as you mentioned there, like you've uh, you, you got there and you didn't really have a preseason, so and you're kind of like just put in at the deep end a little bit you and like Dan were just uh, named in the, the first uh, the first team squad so um, how's it been playing without having like a kind of a proper preseason with the, like you're kind of having to adapt to new teammates and all that kind of stuff like, like on the go so how are you adapting to it? Yeah I think um, I've adapted like fairly easy because I, I've done a lot of work myself uh, probably since before Christmas and then I've done two weeks early on with Pats and then um, and then I was back to doing my own stuff, and uh, yeah, like it's it's been enjoyable playing with Dan as well. I think both of us sort of complement each other, but like there's fourteen or fifteen new players at the club, and 
uh, it's going to take time for us all to really settle in and, and get to know each other's games. But two wins out of three, uh, not bad. We want to be better. But I think there's a real feel around the club. There's a good, there's a good uh, mood in the squad. Like, and uh, I, I think we're going in the right direction. So, like the, the you you won two games and like it's a good kind of vibe. But obviously, the game against San Diego and San Diego are probably one of the the better teams in the division. So, like, do you think there's much of a gap? Like, obviously, you lost the game, but do you feel like there was much of a gap, or like how did you find that game? Like, because uh, sometimes you learn a lot more from the losses than the wins. Yeah, I think um, they were they were a good team, but like just they took their chances and we didn't. Um, they scored, especially they scored their second goal at a really good time just before half time. And then, you know, we, I didn't feel like this in the game, but when we looked at the stats afterwards, we had like way more shots and, and possession and stuff like that. Um, but I think, you know, they knew they, they could sort of sit back and counter us in the second half because they had the 2 0 lead. And we, have, we actually had some great chances. And I had one myself that I headed over the bar. But uh, it was actually small margins, but. No, they were a good team and so are El Paso in the first game. Like to be honest, we were fairly lucky to, to win that game three one. <laughs> if anyone watched the game from start to finish, you wouldn't you wouldn't have thought it was a three one win to Sacramento. But I think we played a lot better than um Sunday just gone against Tulsa. And as I said, it's gonna take time, but we've come back from the goal down twice as well. So that shows the sort of character in the squad and uh I think the good performances will come with time, but if we're, if we're able to get a couple of wins playing, you know, not at our max level, that's a really good sign as well because we're going to have to do that a lot more in the season. So how are you finding the, the style of play? It's 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 definitely different than probably what you're used to at home. It, it, it feels like it's, it's kind of weird to say, but I don't know if it's more technical, but you seem to have a little bit more time on the ball and... I feel like Ireland sometimes has that feel of an English game where it's kind of like a rough and tumble, yeah. whereas like a, the USL seems to be like you have a bit of time on the ball and very technical players. So how are you finding the getting used to that? Yeah, I think overall the standard is probably fairly similar, but like there's a few differences. I feel like everyone here, again, I've only played three games, but um, everyone's trying to build up from the back play out from goal kicks and then every team as well. It, like their strikers and their wingers are so fast and strong and I was, I was well aware of that as well because I actually I know a good bit about the league I've been following it for four or five maybe six years sort of, sort of since when James Chambers went over I sort of kept annoying it because uh, like the Irish matches back home we used to play Friday nights and I could never sleep after a match and what was the only football that was on <laughs> The USL on YouTube. Cube. That's right. Honestly, that's how I got into the league. And as the years went on, I said, I think I'm going to give this a go. Oh, if I can get my foot in the door. So that's really how it happened. But yeah, then I think back home is more workmanlike where, um, you know, you, you have less time in the ball and it's sort of helter-skelter. Um, but I wouldn't say you have a lot of time in the ball here either. Um, it, it's, it's a really good standard and... Um, I think it, overall it's similar enough to the League of Ireland. So I guess the big question is like, how did the uh, the move come about? Because I mean, like you're you're a stalwart at a uh, at Patsy. Like you were you you went to the you won the FA Cup last year. Like it just seems like kind of out of the blue that you were going to make a decision to to mm-hmm. move. So how did the move come about, and why why the decision to do it now? Like you're you're 27. Obviously, you're coming into your prime as a, a defender. But why the decision now to to make the move? 
so I had been sort of looking into it the last maybe three years. The hardest part is um, getting people to, to have a look at you because people over here don't really know a lot about the League of Ireland. Um, so the hardest part was building up contacts and I was getting places over the years and then it was really when COVID happened that I thought, you know what, this career is short. So as much as I love the League of Ireland and maybe one day I'll return there, I, I wanted more experiences in football. And like you said, I'm 27, so I think it's a good time now. And um, The move came about by uh, an old teammate of mine called Morgan Langley, who I played with at St. Pat's. Morgan played for a couple of clubs in the USL around uh, 2013-2014. So he texts me, congratulations, after the, the Cup semi-final back in Ireland. And I said, would he be able to put me in touch with anyone? And he was. He put me in touch with an agency and... The agency looked into me, done their homework on me, and they said, yeah, I think we'll be able to get you a couple of clubs. And uh, yeah, within a few days, I had three or four offers, and I went to Sacramento at the end, in the end. That, that must be like, a, he must have like looked at his phone like twice after you text back saying, you know, you just won the FA Cup final. He says, congratulations. And then you're like, can you get me a move? <laughs> and he must be like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. No, because when I played with him, like we used to speak about it a lot. And even with Jake Egan too, like I'd say when Jake seen that I came here, he, he was like, no surprise that he used to talk about it all the time. And then even when we take teammates at Pats, um, they would like I would have mentioned quite a bit like how interested I was. And I, I played with Paddy Barrett last year. Um, nice. who done very well over here. So I was in his ear all the time trying to find out little bits and pieces, probably wrecking his head asking hundred <laughs> questions. Um but yeah, I just wanted I just wanted information and context because I knew it was something I wanted to do one day and then like winning the cup, it was the perfect time for me with my age, um accomplishing such a big achievement and um, personally I was like right now now is the time to, to try America wow like it's 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 a big move like fair play to you like um so you know Mark Briggs is the manager there uh, so how how are you finding his style obviously compared to what you're used to and um what, what are the kind of training sessions like um with, with the USL team is it is it much different it's not massively different like I don't think anywhere you go like it's still just a game of football at the end of the day so, yeah like I, I thought that myself I was going to be massively different and then we got in you know I suppose everyone has their own methods and stuff but you know I'm still just football training um, <laughs> but uh, no it's, it's been really good so far and I get on really well with Mark and it helps when you have like you know uh, there's an Irish lad in the squad there's English Scottish Managers English and um, assistant managers English, so yeah, that that sort of um, the same sort of mentality, you know, closer to home. But I mean, that's not uh, completely fair on the other lads as well because all the American lads, like they've all been so nice to me. We've got lads from all over the world here. We have Spanish, Guadalupe, uh, Bermuda, where else? Brazil, Mexico, um. Yeah, there's people from everywhere, and so far, like it seems like a pretty tight knit squad. So, just have to keep that going, I suppose. It sounds like it's not just a, a football experience; like it's almost like a, a different life experience for you. You know, like I mean, like a, I know that you would have met players from abroad playing at home, but like just the vast difference of people that are in the in the squad, it, it must be great, like to meet so many different cultures and backgrounds. 
yeah it is it's a massive culture shock but the main thing is that everybody's really nice and friendly so once people are like that you know you want you want to fit in into their world as well and um you know people are just interested about you know even Ireland as well we're just constantly yeah talking about uh, our own experiences in, in football and stuff so far so yeah it's it's been easy as I said because people have just been so welcoming so you mentioned there that the newest the, the, the assistant coach is obviously a, uh, a new guy uh, Danny Dicchio he's a he's a legend up here in Canada like he played for TFC yeah. he was coaching with TFC so well, and he's played in the Premier League and Syria and all that kind of good stuff. So, what, what's he, what's he been like? And uh, what he just seems like he's kind of like off the cuff and kind of funny. Is he is is he like that? Yeah, like he, he is he is funny. I suppose like he's got that like he played in the Premier League in the nineties. So I can only imagine what them sort of lads get up to. <laughs> but, uh, no, Dan, Danny's been great. He's been great with me, and yeah, he takes a lot of the sessions. Mark takes a lot of the session. Um, so far, so good. That's all I can say, you know. We have a long way to go as a squad. And the manager even said uh, yesterday that, like, you know, we can't ask for too much too soon or expect too much too soon because the reality is it's a brand new squad of players. I think there's only four, maybe five from last year. But uh, we're all, we're all like, still sort of getting to know each other and uh, get used to each other as people and players. There's a, there's like a lot of uh, there's obviously like a a, a bit of pressure too because obviously they've won the USL before and you know Orange County just uh, just just won it like last year so do you think that was part of the reason why they had the big overhaul in the squad uh, during the off season? Yeah, well, actually, before I signed for Sacramento, I knew, as I said, cause I knew a bit about the USL, but I didn't realize how how bad the club done last year, <laughs> and I, I said that to Mark uh, like. Oh, like are we are we trying to build a squad to do well? But it was, you know, the whole MLS thing fell apart and I think the club are saying, right, uh, if that's not gonna happen in, in twenty twenty three or or like who knows when, let, let's build a good USL team again and I think that's the plan. So um yeah, they've obviously done a lot of work as you can see from getting people in from all over the world and you know that we have a we have a good plan now to have a successful season. So uh the the GM is uh Todd Donovan who's like a, a galaxy legend like you won the MLS and uh, and stuff like that. So what does does he involve himself much on the football side? Like do you see him like day to day or is he like he's up in the office away from uh like let market on with the kind of thing? No Todd's probably in like most days he'd uh, he'd watch training sessions. He wouldn't get involved and and take any uh any drills or anything like that, but he, Todd's always watching over. And uh, if anyone's got any issues, like Todd's the man to go to. Well respected in the club, as you can imagine. And Todd, I was only talking to him on the weekend. Uh, I didn't realize he played with Robbie Keane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh... yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, um, he knows Robbie Keane very well. I coached Robbie's son for a year or two back home in Dublin. So, At Malahide or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, the young lad's gone now. He's gone to Shamrock Rovers, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. I completely forgot that that Todd would have played with Robbie. And uh, like, um, I was going to ask you about that. Like, you know, obviously they were going to they were aiming for the MLS. That's kind of fallen through a little bit. But like, is there still like a good 
buzz around the place, like in terms of like uh, they they want to make a success. But it's not just gonna like fall apart kind of thing. Like they have a decent plan in place. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the club have their plans um in the background to go MLS in the future at some point. But like that that doesn't concern us because we're only focusing on <laughs> now. And you know, if that does happen, who knows? Um, if any of us will be here, but like as footballers, you don't think like that. You're just you're dealing with the present situation, and the, there is a feeling that we can do something this year. Definitely, we, we can see the star quality and and the attributes we have. So it's an exciting time as well, yeah, for for me and the club. And like before you you moved over, like was Todd a part of the the discussions, or was it just Mark that you're kind of mostly talking with? It was both of them, yeah. So when when the sort of information came through that Sacramento were interested, I was I was in Cancun on holidays celebrating. <laughs> Amazing, not yeah, too far away, so, huh? <laughs> yeah. So like honestly, for the first week, my phone was hopping. Like there was actually no point of being on holidays, but it was just something that had to be done because you know it was my future for the next couple of years. And uh, I was just back and forth with Mark and and with Todd and then with, with the other clubs and stuff like that. And then I had to make a decision pretty quickly. And yeah, I made it before Christmas then. So yeah, I was delighted in the end that it was finally happening. That's 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 great. It's cool like that. All that stuff just happening. You're probably just like, I suppose I better take it. You know, Todd Donovan calling through and you're just like, oh, I suppose I better take it. <laughs> what a life. Well, huh? like that. <laughs> The hotel I was in was like a really party hotel. We didn't know that until we got there. And uh, I knew I was making all these like really important phone calls. And like, I had to make sure my head was still on. So um, no, that, that's an interesting story as well. <laughs> so um, you, you kind of mentioned that uh, you were on the RTE uh, podcast there. And I, I know you were kind of talking about, this is obviously not the first time you played abroad. You played over... Um, at Newcastle when you were a kid and stuff like that and you kind of had mentioned that you didn't have the best of time so like what was it about the, the, the time when you were there like what was the good things and the bad things that kind of uh, that kind of happened while you were there well to be honest um, I was actually you know I'm just thinking now I was delayed going over there about six weeks too there was, <laughs> there was an issue with um, like transfer fees from Newcastle to me to me schoolboy clubs in Dublin. I mean, not not a lot of money at all. I, I don't know how much, but like just really small. A couple of million probably, right? Um, sorry? Just a couple of million probably, right? Oh, Jesus. Far <laughs> off. A few years ago. A few years ago. Um, but yeah, so I was delayed going over there, but I went over there injured and I missed probably 90, 90% of me first year. And I was just, I was just constantly homesick. I wasn't mentally mature enough to deal with being away from home at sixteen. And uh, I know some people can, but the majority don't. Um. So yeah, it was just, it was very tough uh, trying to come home every chance that I got, really, and trying to get my parents over, or friends over to visit me. But when I came home, I was actually delighted. And then I was, I was lucky as well. Like I, I went to a club who had just been relegated. Um, so there was a chance for me to play, like a better chance for me to play. I was only 18 years old playing in the, the second tier of Irish football. And like maybe if they stayed up, I mightn't have got that chance. And I think the first sort of year you come home, 
like you need a real look on your side uh, and, and you need to make the right choices because they'll really affect you then going on and I think I got lucky like that and I had the right people around me as well so then I got into Shelburne first team and, and done well and <clears throat> I think I got player of the year and got me off the paths then but um, like that like I look at other people coming home and that really could have went the other way if they went to the wrong club or they came home and they were sort of hanging around the wrong people and stuff like that. So although I did work my socks off and was very, um, how would you say it? Like, I don't know what the word is, like sort of consistent, I suppose. And Disciplined and stuff like that. Yeah, everything like that. Like I was also lucky too um, in, uh, at the club I went to and at the right time and stuff like that. So, obviously, it's not the first tale of an Irish lad going to um, going to England and they're kind of not working out and the homesick's not homesickness and all that kind of stuff. Like, what do you think the the English clubs need to do better to to help you settle in? Like, I mean, like you know, like it's 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 obviously like you're 16, as you mentioned, you were injured, so you weren't going to be like mucking in with the lads and all that kind of stuff. Like, so is is it? Do you think it's just an Irish thing where we're like, you know, we're kind of attached to the family or do you think that the, the clubs need to do more to help you settle in? No, yeah, they definitely do. Yeah, it's definitely not just an Irish thing because I've seen different nationalities um, going through the same thing. But what can they do better? Like, I think it's just, you know, make, make the player feel at home or um, like there was people from the FA coming every now and again sort of like a token gesture, see how you are. But they don't know. They just ask you a couple of questions and nothing ever happened afterwards. Because um, I remember opening up to to a man, a well-known ex-player as well, he was working for the FA, and I opened up to him and told him how much I was struggling. Never seen him again. Nothing was ever done. So, And to be fair, I was living with a family over there. Family was excellent to me, you know, doing everything. But I was just... At the end of the day, I wasn't mentally mature enough. They weren't my family. And, you know, there are long days when you get back from training at sort of two o'clock or three o'clock and you're sitting in your digs then till the next morning with like, you know, people that you sort of get on with, but they're not, they're not your family. So it was probably just me. I just, I think the whole thing is probably, uh, it's happening too young for a 16 year old to go over, but a real positive of Brexit. Um, is that the Irish lads can't go over now at 16. They have to wait until they're 18. And I actually think that's a blessing in disguise. I know a couple of lads at Pats who were supposed to go to the Premier League or Championship clubs and they couldn't at 16. So so now they had to stay at home for another two years and, you know, get good experience in the League of Ireland training or getting a few senior games under your belt. And then if an English club still wants you at 18, you can go and you're a lot more... Uh, mentally capable to, to deal with the pressures over there. That's, that's definitely like, I mean, th- that's the thing. I mean, if you're 16 and you're just kind of rotting away in a reserve team or, you know what I mean? Whereas at least like in, in Ireland, you're close to your family, you're getting professional games under your belt. Like even if it's not the same standards as the Premier League, but like how important was it for you to, to like get back and just actually like be playing those first team games rather than just playing under 19s like where there's no crowd and all that kind of stuff like how important was that for you yeah well I had a I had a short spell when I came back home playing under 19s and as I said then the club got relegated and 
lot of players left, small budget. So a new manager sort of came in and said to like five or six of us at the under 19s, uh, like first team contract there is like, and you know, if you're good enough, you'll play sort of thing. And then luckily I got in and kept me spot for a year and uh, yeah, doing well. But like, you, you just can't replicate uh, playing men's football. Like, so even if there's lads over doing well for Liverpool under 18s or United or City or whatever, it, it's false because when you go to men's football, it's like a different sport. Um, so, so like when you were in, so when you were in Newcastle and like, was Shells the only option you, you had, like, or did you choose that because you wanted to get back home? It was, um, it was the parent of a lad I used to play with knew that I was back home and he called me dad and he said, um, bring him up to Shells, get him playing again. And I was, I was actually in denial. Like, this is the mindset I was in. I was sort of like, oh, I'm not playing League of Ireland. I want to go back to England. Even though I was homesick and stuff, I had in my head, like, I'm, I'm a footballer in the UK sort of thing. But the reality was I wasn't good enough to get into a League of Ireland team. I didn't know anything about the League of Ireland, but I thought uh, I was above that. But when you go up, as I said, when you go up and play with men, you quickly learn. <laughs> I wasn't good enough and I had to adjust and, and get better over time get um, adjusted to the men's game and yeah I was only 18 I was still only a kid so I had a lot of learning to do once yeah over the years just just got better and now I'm happy where I am today so like last year you uh, like obviously as you said that you um, finished on a high so you kind of knew you were going to be going to Sacramento before or you knew you were going to be leaving Pats before like, the, the last game. So how emotional was it for you, man? Like, you know, like winning the cup and kind of knowing you were going to be moving on and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, I did know I was going uh, somewhere or anywhere. I didn't know exactly it would be in Sacramento. I knew I was going to America and I was sort of saying to myself, I can't lose this match. I can't lose this cup final um, and have that be, you know, the end of my seven year stint that Pats I had to win and get that medal because it would have it would have eaten away at me and yeah I don't know how I would have got over it she was so happy to win it and we're a great team and great manager and uh, the, the whole the day after as well was unbelievable uh, with all the fans so um, yeah honestly it was a brilliant two days and uh, I'll never forget it so you were going to um play uh like it was played in front of a record crowd for a FAA cup final like what was the what's the pressure like when you're you know because obviously when you're playing at richmond park it's what like five thousand people max whatever going from that to then suddenly like walking out to a wall of sound where it's like thirty seven thousand crazy people are just coming out of lockdown (laughs) what what was it like yeah it was was mental like it it is true when people say when the whistle blows and and you're focusing on on the game you do sort of drown it out a bit. But then when the play is stopped and stuff, like you're looking, you sort of have a look around the stadium <laughs> and you can hear the fans. It is crazy. But uh, no, there's actually a funny story. The night before, um, the club sort of surprised us and they had like a big video. Um, like all of our all of our families, our friends, like wishing us well, um, which is really nice. And we've gone through the numbers. So it was like number two, Sam Bone, his family, would say something number three, number four, number five, but I didn't. I didn't actually realize at the start that they skipped number one. 
who was our goalkeeper that was on loan from Liverpool. Brilliant goalkeeper. And then as the numbers went on, I said to the fella sitting beside me, I was like, he's hardly leaving him for last. This is hardly going to be Jurgen Klopp on. And it was Klopp. No. Yeah. You're kidding me. Yeah. And this is probably like, you know, half nine in the evening. And uh, we were so pumped after. And then it was like, right, lads, go to bed, see you in the morning. <laughs> um, Jürgen Klopp says that for some of a good news message. We're ready to play the cup final. There. So, yeah, that, that was that was nice to have. I still have it on my phone, actually. Cool. What, what a man. He's something else, yeah. isn't he? Like, I mean, he's, like, uh, it's just those little things that just make him, like, like like you know I'm not a Liverpool fan but he's done so well he's done so much for the game in England and it's those little touches that just kind of uh, just make him such a legend man <laughs> that's that's amazing oh, brilliant it was it was really cool to, to like hear him talk about the same parts in the FA Cup finals somebody pass him notes of what he's supposed to say yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, so like uh, in in extra time you guys uh, you scored first and bows kind of uh, equalized so like what what's it what was it like to try and make sure that you didn't get swamped at that stage because obviously like, you got the euphoria of scoring first and then you've got like bows coming back into it. like how just how do you keep your head mentally that you don't just like lose your lose the use your your head and lose your shit basically <laughs> yeah no that it was tough but uh they, they actually had some really good chances in the last sort of two minutes. I think we blocked one off the line and our keeper made one or two really good saves. So they could have robbed that at the end, but uh, you're just trying to stay as cute as you can, really. And, <laughs> uh, use your experience and just, you know, I just couldn't accept the fact that I was going to lose that game. I just could not let it happen. But obviously it went down to penalties and, and it's just really luck, isn't it? I'm just happy to be on the right end of it. So, so so when you're in the when you're in that huddle like at the the halfway line like and you miss one like what's the like obviously you feel bad for the guy who's just scored but what's it like what's it like you know what I mean because like you know we are I've only ever played like local football right so it's not like I'll ever experience what you went through but like what what's it like like trying to make sure that the next guy going up is like you know he's ready to take yeah, it yeah I think you just can't give too much of a reaction if someone miss because. To be honest, I just have so much respect for them. I didn't want to go up and take them, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> like, we, we had practiced them during the weekend. Actually, I don't think I, I missed one in the three or four days that we were practicing them before, but I, I just didn't fancy going up, to be honest. <laughs> so I have so much respect to the lads who did, and I couldn't care if anyone missed one. Yet, like, obviously, it's going to have an impact on the outcome of the game, but no, nah, like... Fair play to anyone that stands up in front of 40,000 people to take a penno. And uh, yeah, I think we only missed one and like the quality of the other the other pennos was unbelievable. So what number were you to to take one? Seven. Yeah. Wow. You must have yeah. been like, like, fuck, I hope this, this doesn't go any further. <laughs> yeah. Like that's how I thought of it beforehand. But then when I was standing there on the halfway line, I was actually more calm than than I had been um, the few days previously thinking about it. When you're actually in the situation, it's not actually as bad as as you picture, you know, and you have the adrenaline and stuff from the game. So it was actually all right. I was, if I had to take one, yeah, I, I knew where I was going to put it and, and that was it. That's all you can do. 
I, I won't ask you in case you need to take any penalties no, for it. So, um, did Ireland obviously beat uh, Lithuania during the night um, with a last minute goal? Um, and it's kind of kept the momentum going for, for, for the team. But, you know, obviously Stephen Kenny came under an awful lot of uh, pressure when things didn't kind of start out. Like you had a bit of experience with the Ireland squad and, and things like that. Like how, how do you find Stephen's approach to the game? Like, like you know, do, do you think a lot of that was unjustified and it's because he was a League of Ireland manager that you kind of got all that shit at the start? Yeah, because I think there is a lot of, uh, you know, Irish international fans who, don't know a thing about the League of Ireland. So when he got the job, they probably hammered him straight away and said, why are we going for a League of Ireland manager instead of actually looking what he's achieved um, and, and the style of play and stuff like that. And, you know, everyone I know who worked with him just said, like, he's just a serial winner. I think uh, one of the lads called him in an interview there, like, he just, you know, he knows how to win and he gets the best out of players. And... I think it was always going to be a rebuild job with Ireland because we didn't have the squad. And the main thing for me now is you can see everyone giving 110%. I think that's half the battle as a manager. Like you can set up tactically and have all these fancy styles of play, but if you can get the lads giving you 110%, you're not going to be far off. And, and that's what's happening at the moment. You know, we're kind of like a nation of naysayers. I find, you know, uh, like after after the game, I, I was watching the highlights on uh, ITV, and Roy Keane was in the studio, and uh, you know, there was a big celebration at the end when they scored. I know it was Lithuania, but the momentum I think is a huge thing for us. Like, had we just got a draw, like the naysayers would have kicked in again. And of course, Roy Keane's like celebrations are a bit too much. Blah 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 blah. Like. Do you think that's part of our problem as Irish people that we're just like we're just naysayers? <laughs> well, like even when the uh, during the sort of first few months he had the job and they were losing games and not playing particularly well, he was getting hammered in the media. But I remember being at a few of the matches in the Aviva and the big singing section behind the goal were just belting out Stephen Kenny's green and my army. <laughs> so I don't know how much of it was actually the media and how much was actually the fans, but. No, they've stuck by him and, and things are looking good now and I agree with you. I think it's just the momentum of getting another win and the late winners can actually bring it together as a group as well. So no, hopefully, hopefully I'm delighted he's got his new deal. So, you know, if we can get to another tournament, it'd be it'd be an unbelievable achievement for him and the squad. Yeah, I mean like like here in Canada they've just uh, qualified for their first World yeah. Cup in twenty six years and just the buzz around the place is incredible and I kind of miss it. You know, like I miss Ireland having that kind of buzz. Even like when we qualified, like not the last time, the time before, like we were hammered in every game pretty much and it was kind of like a little bit disappointing. Yeah. And so, so, you know, I kind of, I I haven't been to a World Cup in like since 94, I think it is. So, you know, I just, oh, 2002, sorry. So I just, I kind of want that for us. And I think like the, the vibe of what's happening at home now and the fact that he's giving youngsters a chance and, all that kind of stuff. I, I think it's uh, it's nothing but a good thing, and I like uh, you know, I really want us to do well. So you know, I think they can learn a lot from Canada, where they had a pretty small pool of players to pick from, and they were willing to give people a chance. Yeah, and I think like you know yourself, when we qualify for a tournament, the country shuts down for two weeks, and it's just the best two weeks, <laughs> best two weeks of your life, really. Um, I know, like, there's not there's no expectation. I'm, I'm sure there isn't in the squad and uh, amongst, you know, 
the manager and the players. They're not just saying, oh, we're here to play the three games and go home. But I, I think the fans are just happy to be there. And, you know, <laughs> thousands of people travel the world wherever we're playing. And it's just an unbelievable experience. So I'd love I'd love to be able to go. Um, I think, when when is the World Cup in Mexico? And, or it's in it's North a, America. Yeah, it's uh, tw- 2026. So it's the next one. Like, that would be a great one to go to. Yeah, I know. And it's, it's like, it's uh, it, it's Canada, the States and Mexico. So it's like three yeah. amazing different countries to go and visit. Like it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think, they're, I think they're thinking of trying to have a game in Montreal, which would be is quite close to me. So I'm hoping yeah. that happens. But I really hope we qualify because that would be watching Ireland in Montreal. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think we are sort of building a squad towards sort of the next four or five years. So you never know. That'd yeah, man, and you'll, you'll probably still be living here, right? So, uh, you know, taking a day out of <laughs> So uh, I really appreciate you giving me so much time, man. Like uh, I, I know, you, like you, yeah, you probably want to get back to yeah your life here. So the last question I ask everybody on the show: um, you're going to play in a five-side tournament from the players you've played with. Who makes your team? Or in goal, I have to go with. The lad I mentioned earlier, Peter Slap Yaros on loan from Liverpool last year. Just a man mountain and so good with his feet. Unbelievable shot stopper. Won us the cup final. Um, should have gotten team of the season last year. He's on loan in Notts County now. But to be fair, I've played with a lot of good goalkeepers. Ireland generally produces good goalkeepers, but he was he was at the level above. So I'll go for him and go. And then um, another four. I'll go one defender. We'll go for an attacking team. Best defender I played with, I'd probably go with uh, Daryl Lennon. I played nice. with him, yeah. I played with him once or twice with the under 21s beside him. And he just never stopped talking. And he's probably one of the best professionals um, I've played with as well. He just like, you know, looks after his body so well. Proper leader. Obviously, flying now, Blackburn. Hopefully they get promoted. Keep an, I always keep an eye on the Irish lads, how they're doing in the UK and stuff. Um, I'll go for him at the back. Uh, in the middle, I'll go Chris Forrester. Um, anyone who knows him knows he's a magician. Uh, <laughs> just plays the game two steps ahead of everybody else. Uh, he's still flying. He's still flying back home. But uh, some of the stuff I've seen him do on the pitch, like, just—it's great. It's great having players like that in your team. That you, like you know that if you're in trouble, you know you can just yeah. give them the ball and they'll take care of it. <laughs> you know what Absolutely, I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you give it to him in in tight situations under pressure, and he's still calm. He's not. <laughs> he's not feeling the pressure. Um, another two. I tell you, probably the best player I've played with was Adam Armstrong. That's uh, Southampton now. Oh, nice. Like, so, yeah. So, when I was in the under 18s at Newcastle, he was probably three or four years younger. But he was fast tracked up to us, and there was really big expectations for him. There were sort of, I think I heard someone calling him the next day, but Beckham before, because, you know, that's, that's pressure. But uh, he just had that right foot on him, like similar to Beckham's, I suppose. And then he, he scored 30 odd, I think, last year, 20 odd, 30 odd in the championship. And, Got a massive move to Southampton. So, yeah, definitely him. So, have one more, don't I? Um, I'm not going to... I'm not going to give any of Newcastle first team players because I've trained with them boys. I can't do that. 
<laughs> I couldn't do that. Oh, um, <laughs> put me on the spot a little bit here. Maybe, to be honest, Killian Brennan was unbelievable for us as well. He was a little bit similar to Christian the way that like he just played the game very calm and he was sort of a step or two ahead of everyone else. Um. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. Killian Brennan in, in the midfield, of course. It's a pretty solid team, man. Can you just uh, recap it for me? So, Vitus Lapieros in goal, and then I have one defender, Daryl Lennon. Um, Chris Forrester, Killian Brennan in midfield, and Adam Armstrong up top. And can we make Jay Keegan a uh, sub just to give him a of little course. shout out? <laughs> Absolutely, Jake's a legend. Uh, yeah. I've had him on the show, and uh, yeah, he's uh, he's back in Greenville, and he's um, he's yeah. he's a really nice guy. So, man, I really yeah, I keep re- in touch with Jake. I yeah, keep he- in touch with him every now and again, and uh, I was I was on to him a lot trying to get him over over here as well. So, but, yeah, no, I'm glad to see he's back at a club that treated him so well. And uh, he didn't help you out at all. Not for this move, no. But, uh, useless bastard huh? some people to be fair <laughs> <laughs> well man I really appreciate taking the time to to hang out and talk it's been great um, I really hope you uh, you find a lot of success in, in California and uh, take care of yourself man keep yeah, in touch thanks very much for having having me on these cheers Get out! Out to fuck!